Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator this morning. Today is Sunday, October 27, 2013. The share ID number for Friday, October 25th, is 5366. This morning's topic is Step 10, Continue to Take Personal Inventory, and When We Were Wrong, Promptly Admitted It. By working steps one through nine, we've recovered. We've had a transformation, a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Step 10 captures the steps four through nine process on a daily basis. It allows us to identify and have removed the spiritual sludge produced daily by our self-will. The key to understanding the 10th step is the word continued. Joining us this morning to speak on Step 10 and share her experience, strength, and hope is Louisa from Staten Island, New York. Louisa, thank you for joining us this morning and carrying the message of recovery. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity, Leah, to share this. Um, I get excited about Step 10. I just feel that this is one of those steps that I never understood. Um, I thought it was one of those things that I only did at night. And because of that, I stayed stuck in anger, resentment, fear, self-pity, all those things that would keep on bringing me back. Um, Just to tell you a little bit about me, I have been a member of OA for 20 years. I have been abstinent and truly in recovery and working and recovered for the last four um you know a lot a big part of a big part of that time I was following the food plan I was abstinent I was working the steps to the best of my ability to what I had been told but not to where I learned how to really work the steps the 10 11 and 12 the steps that I live in every day um my story is very similar to so many people that I've heard, you know, I feel like I was born a compulsive overeater. I am a compulsive overeater. I also have other addictions that will crop up uh, when I put down the food, and that's something else that I've learned. Um, what brought me to OA is my continual and constant battle with food. It seemed that no matter what I did, I was always drawn back to food, diet. I've been at both ends of the spectrum, I've been where I haven't eaten at all, anorexic. I've been where I would eat and throw up. I've been bulimic. I've been exercise bulimic. I covered all my bases. And um, there isn't anything I don't really understand about my disease at this point except for the one thing that I never got, and that was that I could not do this myself. God had to and did remove the compulsion to hurt myself with food. Um, I don't really know, you know, how much of the history I would go through because this is really about step 10. I will say that um, a lot of my my history has to do with control. Uh, It's like one of those little games that you have when you bang the hammer on one head, the next one pops up. So every single time I tried on my own, to put down food, another substance would crop up. 
eventually, eventually I came into the rooms and eventually I listened and listened and listened and learned and learned and someone introduced me to the big book. And that was where my recovery really began. Um, Of course, my first step, I, I was powerless. I was totally powerless over food. If I wasn't powerless, I would have done this myself a long time ago. And I did always believe in a God that would help me. But I never understood that I had to give up my will. And that was my step three. And I go back to that step three a lot of times when I'm doing my 10th step. How many things I had to really turn over. You know, I was willing to turn over my addictions. I was willing to turn over my food addiction. I was willing to turn over so many things but not really my will. You know, I was still going to do it my way. I would ask God for help, but I had better ideas, and I thought he should really listen to my ideas. Um, When I did my my step four, and I did a few step fours, and that was only because I wasn't continuing to do my step ten. I, I found the root. You know, I found a lot of roots of why I picked up food, and then I did my five, I shared it with somebody, and, you know, six, seven, found my defects and asked God to remove them, and I made my amends, but then I stopped. Somewhere along the way, I missed the idea that after I made those amends, I had to keep going because it says, when these crop up, you know, when these defects crop up, that's what step 10 tells me. I also had to know that it was after a spiritual awakening. I couldn't do a step 10 if I hadn't done a good, thorough step four. How would I even know what my defects were? You know, I was always big on skipping. I like to skip over everything. I'll go right from, you know, how it works. You know, I was just going to say, okay, tell me what to do. I'll do the first step. I know I'm powerless. I'll turn it over and I'll do a step 10 every day. That's pretty good, you know. Or I did a quick step four and then at night... I would sit down and do what I thought was a step 10, another misconception. You know, my step 10 had to be done all throughout the day. It wasn't just something that I did at night. Uh, I was told that for a long time, and that's great. You know, that's my step 11. I, I do a nightly inventory. God, how did I do today? You know, where did I go wrong? Do I need to make an amends to anybody? When I wake up, step 11, upon awakening, you know, what guide me through the day, but my step 10 is done all day long, and my sponsor will (laughs) vouch for that. Um, I have had many step 10 calls throughout the day, and I don't just call my sponsor with a step 10. I call whoever I can call, and it's it's not to tell them what someone else did to me and how disturbed I was. It's to find my part. I could not stay abstinent, sober, clean, clear-minded, and have a connection with God if I had all this garbage in my garbage pail. You know, literally, things would build up throughout the day. I couldn't just wait till nighttime when I was going to close my eyes and do a step 10. By that time, I already did a lot of damage. I could do a lot of damage in 15, 16 hours throughout a day. And And maybe I wouldn't pick up food that day. But you know what? As my sponsor would say, those raisinets were just waiting right behind the next door. I have to know that every single day a defect will crop up. I'm never cured. I'm never safe. I'm never, the world is going to go on around me. Um, you know, since I, since I have been recovered, many things have happened. Many, many things have happened. 
I wasn't shielded from life just because I put food down, just because I put other addictions down. Life didn't stop. God did not come down and say, oh, you're so wonderful. You know, my dad lost his leg. My mom got cancer. My daughter had a baby. I had to claim bankruptcy from a fraudulent uh, credit company. So many things have gone on. Hurricane Sandy hit my family. That didn't mean I had to pick up food, but it did mean that I had to hold on to a program. I work a hard program, and I work it hard. I don't let up at all because I know the minute I let up, the next thing is going to be misery. It's going to be slow. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be insidious. It's going to start with a small resentment. I hate these meetings. Uh, So-and-so did this, and I tuck it all away. I tuck it all away. And it's small. It's not big things. Those big things that I mentioned, I got through those. I got through like a trooper. You know, my my family was in intensive care for over a month after a, a very bad accident. I packed my lunch. I went. I was abstinent. I was doing great. Those weren't the things that got me. The things that got me were those little comments I would make to somebody, those little arguments, those little things that happen every single day that I would tuck away. So today I know I don't really have a choice. I don't have a choice but to do a continual step 10 if I want to live in peace, if I want to have happiness, if I want to help somebody else. That was another big thing. You know, my step 10 would consist of, let me tell you what happened to me. You can give me your intake, or, you know, you, you tell me what you think about it, and then I'll go about my business because I'm going to make another. If I didn't like what you said, first of all, I'd make another phone call and tell them what happened to me. And then maybe I would like what they said because really it wasn't my fault. This is how I would work a step 10. Today, I don't get a break on a step 10. I have a sponsor who works a hard step 10 with me. And you know what? It always comes down to me, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-pity, jealousy, resentment, all those emotions that, yes, God will remove them, but I have to recognize them first then I have to ask him to remove them. I have to see my part. And once all that's over, I have to make amends quickly if I have to. And once I do all that and discuss it with my sponsor, that's it. It's over. It's done. Then I have to pick up the phone or go see if I can help somebody else. Another suffering compulsive overeater. Some, and without telling them, which is the hardest part for all of us, without telling them about my tales of woe. You know, once it's done, it's done. I want to go, and my human nature wants to go and tell them, well, do you know, and then do you know what my sponsor said, and then he blamed me, and blah, 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 blah. That never got me anywhere. The only thing I know to do today is to wake up, to do my my prayer and meditation, to ask God for guidance, and then to go about my day. If I'm not helping someone, and I'm staying in Louisa, and I'm thinking about myself, chances are a lot of defects are coming up. Once I find something, once I see something, once I get that uncomfortable feeling, and we all know that feeling, right before we pick up that brownie, right before we open that refrigerator, right before we stuff something in our mouth, we know that feeling. It's that uneasy feeling. It's dis-ease, being uneasy with ourselves. There's something in my brain, there's a monkey on my shoulder, there's a feeling in the pit of my stomach that says something's not right. I don't feel 
that connection to God. I don't feel joyous. I don't feel free. I feel like there's a weight on my back. When I get that, I know there's something wrong. And sometimes it's not specific. Sometimes I'll call my sponsor and, and he'll say, how's everything? I'll say, fine, fine, you know, everything's fine, but everything's not fine. And somebody that knows you well, and that's why it's so important to work with people that know you well, will get to the heart of it, will get to the root of it. Nine times out of ten, it's something that I said or did or a feeling that I had, something I didn't even realize, something I would have tucked away had I not kept in contact and done my work. So for me, step ten is is really, according to the big book, I go specifically according to the big book. I don't vary. You know, it's a, a lot of times um, my sponsor will say to me, well, what's your part? Well, I didn't have a part. You're kidding me. You think I had a part in this? Don't you know what this person did to me, you know? And he'll direct me, of course, to page 60, 61, 62. You know, let's let's think about that. Most people live by self-propulsion. Isn't that true? Isn't the world not doing what I think they should do? Aren't people not following my directions, not living up to my expectations? You know, what what is my part in this? I always have to see my part. It's not about them because you know what? They don't have a program. Nine times out of ten, the people that I'm dealing with have no program. And they're not going to sit and say, well, gee, I'm, let me say I'm sorry, but I have to. I can't hold that resentment. That will kill me. That resentment will kill me. And if I'm not going to pick up food over it, which I hear so many people say, oh, I'm abstinent. I've been abstinent for so long. Guess what? You may be picking up something else. I know a lot of people that are abstinent that I don't want to be in the same room with because you know what? They're not working their program. They just put down the food. I don't want to be that person. I was that person. I know what that feels like. I don't want that feeling of that monkey on my back anymore. I work too hard. I worked too hard for this. Again, I lost, I've lost in, in program a good amount of weight. I'm at a normal weight. I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I work a hard program. I work a hard 10-step every day, all day. And I think that people really need to go to those pages and really work it as written in the big book. So to give you a little bit of an example... I have someone, a guest on the line with me, and Harlan, if you're there, just press star one, and we're going to go through a couple of I'm, 10 steps. Uh, Are you I, here? I, yeah, I'm here. Good morning, everybody. I'm Harlan. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. okay. Do, you, do you want to throw anything else in there, Harlan, before we do this? Uh, I've been in OA since 1979. I've lost a little over 500 pounds since the beginning. I currently have 14 years of uh, current abstinence, and um, I'm very active in OA, to say the least. Okay. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna go through what a 10 step looks like in my world of OA, and I'm gonna do this with Holland right now. So. Hello, Holland. How are you today? I'm good, Louisa. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm okay. Just, uh, you know, a couple of things going on here. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about something that um, Sal did. You know, he, he just totally threw me off the wall today. He left mm. his stuff all over the place. He's not listening to me. I'm trying to tell him something, and he's he's just, you know, acting ridiculous. And it really is but, bothering me. 
let's really find out what the source of the disturbance is. What jumps out at us first? What's your part in this disturbance? Oh, come on, Holland. I don't have a part. You know, he's crazy. If you're disturbed, it's got to be something from within you that is causing the disturbance. Let's get to the nature of it. Let's get down to causes and conditions. What's the first thing that jumps out at us about this disturbance over Sal leaving his clothes around? Uh, the first thing is that it's really not fair. Why am I responsible for picking Let's up Let's get everybody? back down to causes and conditions <laughs> as they will evoke a reaction in the mental twist which will send you into the milk duds. So let's head off the milk duds. What is it about this situation that is disturbing you? Um, that let's, I have to do all this extra work. All right, let's first look at selfishness. Sal didn't stick to your script, did he? No. He also didn't give you the results that you wanted, which you didn't get yourself seeking situation here. What is the dishonesty here? What is the dishonesty here in this disturbance about sale? Oh, that one always gets me, and I don't know what the dishonesty well, is. Well, the dishonesty is, is that he has a higher power and it's not you. And uh -huh. he's an adult and he's going to take care of it or not. And either way, we just have to kind of stay in our hula hoop. But what's the real fear behind this disturbance with Sal leaving his clothes on the floor because everything will get back to self-centered fear. So what's the self What's the fear here about this resentment with Sal? That I'm not getting what I want out of this relationship that I am going to be taken advantage of. Me, me, me. Little deeper, little deeper, little deeper. Um, that I'm not appreciated. If he just loved you enough and appreciated you enough, he wouldn't do these things. So this is kind of his way of saying he doesn't love you, and that's the fear. And you the fear correct. goes beyond that. So let's look at the fear. The fear here is you're not getting what you want because he doesn't think enough of you. Let's look at the resentment. The resentment is, is that you're replaying these situations. The dishonesty is, is that he has a higher power and it's not you. The selfishness, he's not sticking to your script. Mm. So let's take these defects and let's ask God to remove them. Okay. Let's assume he has done so. Okay. You've already discussed them with someone immediately. Now, if you were snarky to him, if you were rude to him, let's make amends quickly if, you, if we've harmed anyone. Oh, do I have to? Yes. No, you really don't have to, but you could eat milk does. Those are that's your choice. <laughs> okay. You could either make amends and clean this up or you can eat raisinets. That's totally up to you. All right. Okay. Now we're gonna resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And that means when we're done on the phone, we're gonna make an outreach call, aren't we? And we're gonna see if we can be of service to someone else without rehashing the resentment and the disturbance about self. Got it. Get out of Louisa. Get out of Louisa. Get out of Louisa. Get out of poor Louisa. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that would be how our 10-step call would go. Now, we'll do one more where I really feel that somebody is at fault. Okay? Hello, Holland. Hi, Louisa. What's going on? Well, uh, my next-door neighbor took stole my wind chimes. Now, really. Hmm. Somebody stole my... I have a resentment. I have a major resentment here. She oh. actually climbed over the fence and stole my wind chimes. 
holy mackerel, sounds mm-hmm. serious. Let's look at the nature of this resentment about the neighbor stealing your wind chimes and let's get down to causes and conditions because we don't want her to take your abstinence too. So let's get down to causes and conditions. What's the first thing that jumps out at us in this resentment against the neighbor? How dare she? How dare well, she let's touch re- my property? Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper and let's go down to she didn't stick to your script, did she? Absolutely not. No, so we've got selfishness reacting, rearing its ugly head, don't we? Mm-hmm. What is the dishonesty here about this situation with the neighbor? Well, she did tell me one time that it sounds like church bells, and she really couldn't sleep well with my wind chimes, but I feel like it's my right. It's my right to put wind chimes in front of my house. So maybe I was being a little dishonest. I could have been a little more considerate there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the dishonesty is is that we had this uh, situation where we knew that it was disturbing the neighbor, but we lied to ourselves and said it's perfectly okay for us to continue having these wind chimes, even though they're disturbing to others. Okay. What is the basic fear here? What is the self-centered fear that is driving this that can easily wake up the mental twist and before you know it, she'll not only have taken your wind chimes, but she'll have taken your abstinence too. You'll be face first in a bowl of raisinets, in a box of raisinets, excuse me, in a box of raisinets. What's the fear here? Um, the fear is that somebody else is just taking over my life. Mm-hmm. The fear I don't know is if that. It sounds to me like the fear is if she only knew how important you were. And if she only knew how vital you are to the world, she wouldn't dare climb over the fence and take your wind chimes. This is if true. she only knew who she was messing with, she wouldn't dare do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear there, that if she doesn't respect you enough to leave your wind chimes alone, perhaps others don't respect you enough to do what you want as well. Okay, so we've got fear, don't we? Mm-hmm. We've got selfishness, don't we? We've got dishonesty. We've got, obviously, resentment, okay? And we've got selfishness for sure. Okay, we're going to ask God to remove them. Okay. We're going to assume he has done so. You've already discussed it with with me immediately. Now, if we were rude to the neighbor, especially in the fact that we continue to display the wind chimes after she told you that it was very disturbing to her sleep, we're now going to make amends quickly to her. Uh We're going to resolutely, after it's over, turn our thoughts to someone we can help. We're going to make some outreach calls. We're going to get out of poor Louisa. We're not going to discuss poor Louisa with the person that we call. We're just going to be of service to that other person. Helping others is the foundation stone of our recovery, isn't it? Yes. Love and tolerance of others is our code. We want to be loving to the neighbor. It's not about the wind chimes. It's never about the wind chimes. Now you're asking a lot, Harlan. Now you're asking a lot, but... I know, but what would you do not to eat raisinets and milk duds today? I would do anything. So I will do as instructed. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. Okay, so now that would be that would be like the obvious steps ten, you know, step tens that we do. 
Now, there's another step 10 that I've done, and these are all real scenarios that I have worked on with my sponsor, um, and it's not as obvious, and it's something that you really would have, like, that I was able to really dig through and find out where I was being selfish because this was something that happened in life, and I wasn't. I don't think I was being selfish. I thought it was just a fear, and we're going to go through this one last one, and, and, um, and you can see how we're able to see our part. So, hello, Holland. How are you today? Hi, Louisa. How are you? Oh, well, I'm okay. I just, um, you know, I have a, a fear, Holland. I'm really trying hard to stay focused, but my mom's got cancer, and I have to start taking her for chemotherapy, and my dad has one leg, and I'm trying to take care of both of them, and I'm trying to work, and I'm trying to take care of my grandson, and I'm just overwhelmed. I, I just don't know what to do, and I, I just feel very, very overwhelmed, and I don't see my part in this, but I'm just having a real hard time. Then let's look carefully at it because sometimes these things crop up and when they do, we're just going to go right to the step. First thing that jumps out at us here is what? Fear. Fear. And the fear is is that you're going to lose mom and the fear is that dad has one leg and the fear is, is, is in, that, in that scenario that you're not going to do uh, everything you could do to try to control this situation, that God and the world and medicine is not going to stick to your script. And we have to really remember that we're victims of the delusion that we can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only we manage well. You didn't cause your mom's cancer. You can't cure it. You can't control it. You didn't cause your dad to have one leg. You can't cure it. You can't control it. So this is really up to God, and they're not sticking to your script. So that's selfishness jumping out at us. What's the dishonesty here? We just really talked about it and touched on it. What's the dishonesty here in this disturbance with mom and dad? That I'm not going to be able to do everything that I'm called to do that my life is going to change completely, that really it comes down to not just their illnesses, it comes down to me and my selfishness and what I need. Okay. The fact that you're not going to be able to do what you need to do is is more based in fear. The dishonesty here is that somehow this falls upon you to fix. And the dishonesty here can be that somehow this fell upon you that you caused it. You didn't cause mom's cancer, and you didn't cause the traffic accident that took your dad's leg. So there's a lot of dishonesty there. And what we need to do is we need to say they have a higher power, the situation has a higher power, and it's not me. It's not me. It's not me. What is the, what is the basic fear here, obviously, and we've touched on that too? Fear is, and the selfishness, the dishonesty, the resentment is. What's the basic fear here? That somehow this will come back and be your fault. Right. Right. Somehow this is going to come back that somebody's going to say, oh, Louisa, you should have zigged instead of zagged or zagged when you zigged, and it's going to come back to you. And it's not. Mom and dad have a God, and it's not you. So let's ask God to remove these defects of character We've already do. Let's assume he has done so. Okay. We've already discussed it with another person immediately. Mm-hmm. Let's make amends quickly. If we were snarky with mom and dad about taking them and doing for them, make amends quickly if you've harmed anyone. 
not just them, anyone. Maybe you were rude to your brother. Maybe you were rude to your daughter, you know, about having to take them. Make amends. Clean that up. And, excuse me, let's resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And that means make an outreach call. Get out of poor Louisa. Get out of poor Louisa. And love and tolerance of others is our code. And right now, I would also thank God for the fact that you have a mom and a dad that love you very much. Mm -hmm. And that you have a roof over your head. And you have a car to take them. And you have gas in the car to take them. And that may not be part of the step, but it would be something I would say to you. Right. So let's get out of poor Louisa. Let's get out of poor Louisa. And let's understand that there is a God and it's not us. And when you make that call, when you resolutely, resolute means with purpose, make that call to someone you can help. Do not discuss these situations. Be of service. Top of 77, my real purpose is to... Excuse me. Excuse me. My real purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. Right. Okay, so there we have three... 10 steps. And as we, you know, as I said before, it's not about me complaining about life. It's about calling someone and looking at my part. Somebody that knows how to work a 10 step and guide you through it. And then it's my responsibility to reach out to someone else and help them. That's the only way that I'm able to get out of Paul Louisa. And we all live in that. And sometimes we can't see our part. And sometimes it is somebody else's fault in our minds. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And as you can see, you know, my 10-step calls, it's, there's no breaks there. There's no breaks. There's no time when someone says, oh, I understand. It's okay. You have the right to be mad. Because that right to that resentment, that right to feel sorry for myself, that right to say, well, God is not being fair, that right will get me right back into the food because the only thing I have to cushion the blow between me and life is either God and my steps or food. It's a choice. Either I'm going towards recovery or I'm going away from it. And if I'm not looking at all these things and constantly taking my own inventory and and then making amends quick, I'm going to be going right back towards the food. And it doesn't happen quick. It's slow, it's insidious, it stays in my heart day after day after day, and then before you know it, I can't even feel God's presence anymore. I'm so blocked with resentments and jealousy and fears, I can't even feel it anymore. And then I can't help anyone else. Then I can't get out of myself because I'm so blocked that I, how can I help anyone? How can I get out of Paul Louisa when I'm just, God is not even part of the picture. You know, that's that's gone, that's done. So this is something that I have to be constantly vigilant. And it tells me in the big book, there's no breaks. We have to, we can't rest on our laurels. So now I would like to introduce, if Leia is still on the line, she wanted to um, jump in here if she would like to and maybe go through a 10-step with Harlan and show you, you know, one more time, just another example of how we do this. Leia? Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Harlan. Welcome to the line. Thank you for your help on the line this morning. Okay, I have two examples that commonly come up in my life. Uh, The first one, um, I have two eight-year-olds that 
continuously struggle in their learning at school, and this leads me to feel very worried and overwhelmed um, by the, um, you know, by what's necessary to support them, and you know, what if they don't make it? What if they don't? <laughs> What if they don't make it through third grade? Uh, you know, teachers will call with that with their concerns, and that breeds anxieties. So um, that's what I'm feeling uh, in for this example: anxious, worried, concerned about the future of my eight-year-olds in their okay. schooling. Okay, um, let's get down to causes and conditions. What character defects lay a jump out at us in this disturbance with your twins? What is the first character defect that jumps out well, at us? Certainly fear comes out. Definitely. Definitely. Fear is at the root cause of the entire thing. So let's circle back to fear in just a second here. The first thing is selfishness. God's not sticking to your script. Your eight-year-olds are not sticking to your script. The whole scenario is just out of your script range, and it's just getting away from you. It's becoming unwieldy. And so you just don't know how to kind of rein it in, and that's selfishness, isn't it? And the, the next thing we want to look at is what we want to look at the the dishonesty here. What is the dishonesty in this resentment with your twin? What is the dishonesty here? Perhaps if I only manage things well, you know, everything will straighten out if uh, I you know, arrange all the actors on the stage properly, this will all magically go away, um, which, is, which is not occurring, so it, it leads to greater frustration. Right, and of course, and that, that's the perfect answer, and you're 100% correct there, Leah. And that the other part of the dishonesty is, is that your eight-year-olds have a higher power, and it's not us. Your eight-year-olds, God has a plan for them, and we're doing the very, very best we can for those eight-year-olds right now. And the fear here obviously is, is what's going to happen to them in the future, what's going to happen to them socially, what's going to happen to them educationally. And the thing that we have to remember is, is that as long as we're doing the best we can, God has a path for their life, and it's a path of very much of abundance, not of scarcity. So God's going to take care of them. We're just out here to do the very best we can. So let's look at these defects, and we're going to understand that we're going to ask God to remove them. And in your heart, ask him to remove these defects. Assume he has done so. We've already discussed it with someone immediately. Now make amends quickly. If you were snarky with them, if you were impatient with them, if you were impatient with the teachers, if you were impatient with any other kind of collateral damage as the result of the thing with your twins, make amends quickly. Clean that up. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you've harmed anyone. And now resolutely, when we're done here, Leah, resolutely turn your thoughts to someone you can help. Get out of poor Leah, get out of poor Leah, get out of poor Leah, and go make some outreach calls to other people, not mentioning this. And then love and tolerance of others is our call. And it's so important for us to remember that God is in control here. He has He has your eight-year-olds by his hand, and he's going to take them where he wants them to go. He has a plan for their life. Thank you, Harlan. Example two uh, is in reference to um, 
my husband. Uh, he owns his own business. There's tremendous demands to provide for our large family. Uh, you know, sometimes business uh, isn't going so well. Maybe a client uh, decides not to work with him uh, any longer, et cetera, those kind of things. And um, my husband will get withdrawn or contracted. That's the way he um, responds to the stress is he kind of caves inward. And that makes me feel uncomfortable. When he's withdrawn, I get uncomfortable that it's my fault. So this is a dynamic that um, breeds a lot of fear, anxiety in me, um, nervousness about how to handle him. Um, and that's what I would like to work on now. Okay, so we have a disturbance here that when your husband's business isn't going so well and he does what he does and, and then you try to fix the situation here. By the way, they have a name for people who own businesses or who work at businesses that go up and down, and the name that they gave those people is human beings. They're human beings. These are things that you have to Okay, so what are the defects here that kind of jump out at us, Leah, that are causing this disturbance with, the, with your husband and his business? What's the first thing that kind of jumps out at us here? Selfishness. Yeah, that's right. The clients, the world, your husband, the business environment, they're just not sticking to your script. The actors are kind of going off the script. Everything's kind of beyond, you know, the script that we have. And what's the, the next thing we look at here is the dishonesty. And the dishonesty here comes from what? Uh, that I could control him if only things went, went my way. Everything would be absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. That somehow, some way, this falls upon me to fix, and that somehow, if I zigged instead of zagged, everything would fall right into place. And the other part of the dishonesty, and at least for me in that kind of scenario, would definitely be this. When I lose a client, it may be because I forgot what it says in step 11, that I can't pray for things for myself unless they're going to benefit others. And maybe it is a benefit to that client to go in another direction but what God, where God guides, God provides. And that the business has a higher power and my husband has a higher power and my situa situation has a higher power and it's not me. And the dishonesty comes from the fact that I see life as being very scarce. So if I lose this client, somehow I'm doomed. That my whole world becomes a world where this client becomes my higher power. And that's not honest because I have a God and it's not that person. The fear here is what? What's the fear? What's the absolute underlying fear here that we're dealing with? Well, I mean, initially it might be, you know, in terms of monetary provisions, but um, it corrodes my marriage and it makes me feel like uh, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. The other fear here isn't just that, and that's a very good that you said that because it's very insightful. You're absolutely right. The fear here is that somehow this whole scenario is going to come back on me, but the 
fear here for me in these situations would be my mind immediately goes to, oh, my God, we're going to be living in the street. Oh, my God, we're going to be destitute. Oh, my God, this is yeah, – and if we lost this client, how many other clients are we going to lose? And then it goes to, and what's he doing wrong at the business? And then it goes to, oh, my God, what should I be doing so that he does better at the business and we don't lose clients? And that's the monkey chatter in my head. Does that sound familiar? I identify with that. Okay, I thought so. They have a name for people to think like that. They're called human beings. So what we're going to do, because we have an illness of the mind and the body, is we're going to take these defects and we're going to ask God to remove them. In our heart, let's ask God to remove these defects. Let's assume that he has done so. You've already discussed it with another person. Let's make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. If you were snarky, if you were rude to your husband or rude to the kids or rude to somebody because of this scenario, let's clean that up and make amends. Now we're going to resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help later. Let's make some outreach calls when we're done with this 10-step call and let's be of service to someone else. My real purpose is to be to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. Let's get out of poor Leia, poor Leia, poor Leia, and let's be of service. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Thank you, Harlan, for your help. Problem. Okay, so I hope that this has helped sponsees as well as sponsors to um, to see how it's written and how we work a 10-step all day long. And, you know, I really want to say the basis, if you notice, the basis is spiritual. It's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual program. It comes back to God being in control, us turning over our will, keeping our side of the street clean, keeping that passage straight between us and our higher power so that we can help someone else. And that's the only way that we can stay abstinent, recovered, in program, happy, free, is by helping other people get out of this this disease. And the best way to do that is by clearing our side of the street. So I hope I hope this whole dialogue that we did helps people to see that the 10th step is not something that we just do at night. It's not something that we just call up and piss and moan on the phone to someone else and tell them our problems. And then if they don't say what we want them to say, then we call the next person and tell them until we finally hear what we want to hear. I hope that you see that it's there's a specific plan that we follow to do a 10-step. And when you follow it, you will find your part in it. You will make amends, although sometimes I don't want to. And then when it's over... I'm always asked to make some outreach calls. And, you know, my sponsor will say, I know you're not going to want to do this, or you better really not just say yes, and you better really do this. But you know what? Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I want to stay in it, but I do it anyway. I do what I'm asked to do to get what God has given me. And so if there's any anybody has questions, right, Leia, we're open to questions. And um, And I hope this helps somebody today. And thank you so much for allowing me to help you. Thank you, Louisa, and, of course, Harlan, for this learning opportunity this morning. 
and for offering us revealing examples regarding Step 10. We appreciate your service this morning. Now, yes, we will open the line for any questions you might have regarding Step 10. Hello? Hi, yes. this is Hello? Anne Marie. Morning, Hi. Anne Marie, I believe I hear. Hi, Veronica. Yes. Hello? Hi, I'm Anne Marie. Let me. I'm, I am going I to. I am. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Um, hi. This is Anne Marie, recovered compulsive eater. Thank you so much um, for for everyone. You know, um, Leah, Holland, and uh, Louisa. I appreciate it. Um, I have a, a couple of questions, if if you don't mind me asking more than one. Um, well, first, um, I I really appreciate Louisa right at the beginning of your talk explaining that. Um, when you did a, a, ten, a tenth step, it was because you were disturbed. And for the longest time, I thought a tenth step was only if when I harm someone. Um, but right at the end of the tenth step um, in the big book, it talks about having a God consciousness. And so when I am disturbed, I, I just recently had, you know, have had a, quite a few spiritual awakenings, but I just realized that if I'm disturbed about something, then then I need to do a tenth step about it. And um, so I appreciate you you uh, bringing that up. Um, the the question um, I have is um, I have three. Um, one of them I could recognize um, was that I have a fear of not being good enough, and so that sounds to me like it's self centered. Um, but it's also a fear, and so it sounds like there's a combination there. It's not just um, one or the other. I guess this is not black and white now that I'm, I'm saying that out loud, but um, that fear of not being good enough. Um, and the other two questions, um, one is um, I have asked, you know, I have done 10 steps. I've asked to have the character defect removed once, once it was identified. However, sometimes it comes back. So... Um, you know, I sometimes I feel like I'm not doing something right when it comes back, or is it normal for it to come back, or does it come back and after a while, after doing it for so long a period, it doesn't come back any longer? And my third and last question is, um, Louisa, how did you find people that's going to respond like Harlan does? Um, although I don't think anybody else is going to respond exactly like he does, but um, not... Uh, how I mean, you sound. You said you had like a, a group of people that you can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not unique, but I do work nights, so sometimes it's difficult for me. And a lot of the times, these uh, my character defects jump out when I'm working with others that do not have a program. So um, I need to really search out. Um, how did you How did you find so many people that's going to uh, really work? The, the big book and the steps. So thank you um, for allowing me to speak so long. Thanks. Okay. Well, I can answer um, the the last question you just had, how I found people. Um, for the most part, the people that I call are big book based. They work their program through the big book and follow the instructions in the big book. And anybody that has gone up to step 10, like I wouldn't call somebody that hasn't done step 10. I wouldn't call somebody that's, you know, just been in the program for a little while. Anybody I call is familiar with how a step 10 works. 
So, you know, I, I'm very um, specific in people that I call. And the way I found them was just by listening really carefully to people that are recovered and that work their program. Anybody that says they're recovered and is big book based will be doing 10 steps, you know, throughout the day. So those are the people that I would go to. Um, Harlan, do you want to address the other, the fear and the, and the other question that she had? The, the disturbance with not being good enough, is that what you're asking me to address? Yeah. Okay. For me, and I don't know, I don't know the, the situation specifically, but for me, when I have that fear of not being good enough, what I have to look at is what is good enough and what am I trying to extract from the situation? When I say I'm not good enough, does that mean I'm not going to make enough money? Does that mean I'm not going to get the lover? Does that mean I'm not going to get the acclaim of someone else? I don't know. But what it really will boil down to is lack of faith. And what it really boils down to is two character defects that will jump out at me right away. The first one being selfishness. I suffer, excuse me, I am a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction out of this world if only I manage well. That's step. Of, that's a step three issue. And the fear here is, is that if I'm just good enough, everybody will like me and life will go according to a certain level of happiness. It will go according to a certain script that will catapult me into uh, constant happiness. And that's just not going to happen. The other misconception here is that if I'm just good enough, everything will be fine means I have placed myself in that situation where other people or other things that I'm trying to attain become my higher power. So we've got the dishonesty there. We have a God, and it's not the things or the people. We have selfishness. Obviously, selfishness is just all over the place. Fear is all over the place there, and anger is there. The resentment is there because I'm doing the best I can. Don't they see that I'm doing the best I can, and they're still not towing the mark and giving me what it is that I want. So I would have to follow that format of step 10 all over the place there, and I really, really would suggest that in my life, when I have had that fear of I'm just not good enough, that means I have placed people and things above God. And anything that I place above God, I will lose. I will lose. And I will be eating raisinets, and I'll be eating milk duds and Doritos, and I'll be wondering why. And I'll think OA doesn't work. And just to throw in two more cents, and that is I'm not getting out of myself enough when these things come back because you had mentioned, I forgot your name, but you had mentioned that they keep coming back. When they keep coming back for me, that means I'm re-rehearsing them. And when the 10th step is, is done, it doesn't mean now we think about this whole scenario again. It doesn't say that. I get out of myself, and it helps me to put distance between me and that disturbance resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. And that's what's missing in a lot of programs. We don't get out of ourselves. Getting out of ourselves means I look to help someone else without re-rehearsing what that person did to me. That's enough out of me on this because I don't want to take up all the time. But that's what jumps out at me there. Thank you. Thanks, Anne-Marie, for the question. Next, Hi, this is Lori from New Jersey. Go ahead, Lori. 
Hi, Harlan, and I'm sorry, Louisa. Thank you yes. both. Um, I'm a little confused. Is um, it's like okay, especially when Leah asks the question about her, you know, the concerns about her children. Like, I don't understand why we would be doing a tenth step over stuff like this. That like. We, we tend to worry about our children through different things that happen in their lives. Like, to me, this sounds like we're doing a tenth step over everything. I mean, I, I'd be doing tenth, tenth steps over everything all day long, I feel like. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. And yes, there are days when I am doing ten steps over a lot of things. But I hear what you're saying, and I understand that. Um, what I think Holland and I have well, what I've learned, and I know Holland has taught me so much on this too, is that when I'm in worry and when I'm uneasy, I'm not trusting God. I haven't fully taken that step that says turning my will and my life over to the care of God. So a 10-step reminds me of who's in control. And we do all worry about our children. We worry about our family members. We worry about a lot of things. But at some point that worry turns into obsessive thinking, and that obsessive thinking turns into, I really need to pick something up to eat because I can't stop these thoughts in my head. So for me, that when I'm into worry, that means that I'm not, I can't trust and, and worry at the same time. If I'm going to turn my will and my life over to God, I'm going to have to learn how to do that. And the best way to do that is to, do exactly what we were just taught to do, discuss it with somebody else, see what my part is, am I not trusting God, am I living in fear, what is that fear, and then stop the worry by turning my thoughts to someone else that I can help. I mean, Holland, do you you have anything to say on that? There's, yeah, there's healthy concern and there's worry and there's obsessive, you know, that obsessive worrying, worrying, worrying. If I was in the forest in a cabin, and I'm disturbed because I'm freezing to death. That's that's not healthy. What I have to do is I have to go out and chop the wood and put the wood in the fireplace and light the fireplace, and then it will give me the heat that I desire. In the case with Leah, she's already taking care of her due diligence with her twins. She's doing everything she can, but she's continuing to ruminate and ruminate and ruminate, rethink, rethink, rethink about this whole scenario, and that will wear me down, and the next thing I know, I'm knee-deep in a vat of raisinets, milk duds, whatever, ice cream, so I have to understand that I have a disturbance and then go right to the step. Nobody is saying, don't take care of your children. She didn't say she put her eight-year-old in the middle of a pasture and said, do your own homework and fend for yourself. What she's doing in that scenario with her twins, and what I'm sure you're doing too, is we do our due diligence, but there comes a point where concern beyond that is obsessive, morbid reflection. And that's where it can become unhealthy and that's my entrance ramp onto the food highway. I hope that explains it. Thank you, Lori, for the question. <laughs> Who, who's next? Do. Do, please speak up. Good 
morning. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, for bringing the 10th step to life. Um, thank you, Louisa. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Leah. Awesome, awesome. I am do. I am a recovering compulsive overeater. I am getting to the end of my ninth step, so uh, hopefully very soon I'm going to be going into my 10th step. And so I am so grateful to you guys for bringing that to life. Um, my two questions is, um, one, um, as you're, going through your 10th step, and I heard this, um, that you ask God uh, to remove your character defects or, or these things from you. Do you do that with your sponsor as you're going through the 10th step? Do you pray together? Do you do that individually? Or how is it that you do that? And and the next question that I have is um, when Leah was speaking about um, her husband and the selfishness that she had um, in that situation. I don't think I heard where she had been selfish, and if you can expound on that. Okay, I'll I'll answer the first part, and Holland can take over for the second. Um, yes, do when when I go through the tenth step with my sponsor, he if you noticed, he will always hesitate when he says we ask God to remove them, and he'll give me a moment. In that moment, it's not it's not that we're praying together as much as he gives me a moment to connect to my higher power, and I do consciously ask God, please remove this defect. Now that I see it, now that I have it, now that it's tangible, please remove this defect. And then we move on with the rest of the step. And, Holland, you can answer the second part. Okay. First thing that jumps out at me, Lori, is that you don't have to be done with 9 to 10. On page 84, it very clearly says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. And that means as you're doing your ninth step, when things come up, do your tenth. You don't have to be completely done with nine to do ten. That's a misconception. It tells us right on page 84. The other thing is that, um, now I forgot the other questions. I'm getting finished here too in my old age. Um, Lay selfishness. Oh, the selfishness. The selfishness is the script. Selfishness is the script. You have to go back to chapter five. If only the actors would stay put, the ballet, the scenery, if only the people in your life, Lori, would do what you want them to do. When we say selfishness, we're not thinking, you know, the glutton under the, under the uh, gun of gluttony, uh, hogging everything for themselves. Selfishness is that script that script we have in our head that people are not sticking to. So in the case with the husband and the business, it wasn't going according to her script. I don't know what's best. There is a, there's two things I know about God, Lori. There is one, and it's not me. I don't know how things are supposed to go. I don't. I have no idea. So I take it as it comes, and I fit myself into the life that God God wants for me. I hope that explains it. But don't wait till you're done with nine to start doing ten. You can start doing ten right now. Thank you, Du, for the question. Who's next? This is Kaya. Kaya, go ahead. Hi, this is Kaya, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Harlan. Thank you, Louisa. Thank you, Leah. You know, this is a meeting that has depth and weight. Um, I'm glad I'm asking this question right now after Dew's question. 
So you have a sponsee who's going through the steps. They're on step three. They're on, well, they wouldn't be on step three for very long. They're in step four. This question comes up a lot. Can I do step 10 along the way while I'm going through the steps? I'd like you to address that, please. Um, Holland? Yes, you yes, you can. Let's, let's, let's just take a look at page 84 here. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. This is not a college course where you need a prerequisite. You can start doing this as soon as you start inch your steps, you put the food down, you're starting your spiritual way of life, and you can go into these things as you clean up the past. You can do these little mini 10 steps with someone as you go along. Now, if you're working your fourth, you should put these things, you know, on your paper. If you're thinking about something, something comes up. You know, you can always call someone. You can always call a sponsor and say, I'm thinking about my resentment with Joe Blow, and this is what's going on. You know, you're going to re recover the ground, obviously, in four, but you can take care of it just that, just, just that second so that you don't eat milk duds. Right. And I, I say, um, like I said in the beginning, I wouldn't jump into this on my own as I was going through the steps, you know, I wouldn't be able to. But like Colin just mentioned, if I'm going through my fourth step, I don't really know yet. I can't see yet my character defects, but I am working with somebody. So, yes, when these things crop up, that phone call to somebody who is recovered that knows me, that's working with me, or somebody that's, you know, working the program, they'll be able to point it out to me and help me through it. So, yeah, I would say the same thing. Does that help you? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Haya, for that question. Who's next? Uh, hi, this is Ronnie. This is Ronnie. Ronnie, your turn. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Harlan, Louisa, Leah, thank you. My gosh, what a great uh, session this morning. Um, just, just a question. Um, listening to the 10 steps, what I loved is that it didn't become sort of a therapy rehash of what happened. Um, and I realized that uh, I don't think I've ever had a 10 steps session that didn't include that because there's sometimes, um, you know, for me, I just kind of have to get it out and, and I know I do have a very loving sponsor and there's sometimes I think she can, maybe just in a moment she's very empathic and she responds and says, wow, you know, this sounds, you, know, you sound really hurt, you sound really upset and sometimes when she says that, it just helps me calm down enough so that I can then hear what she will say and then she'll begin to do her 10-step talk which is, you know, pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, to what you guys used as an example today, um, but I noticed that yours doesn't have that sort of empathic uh, part of it. Not to say that it's not loving. Uh, I don't want to confuse that at all. Um, but I found it interesting. I also thought it was just really clean. It was very, very clean. But I do know that sometimes when I call my sponsor, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm so agitated that I, I, I sort of have to just vomit everything out so that I'm now calm enough to kind of hear what what will come next. And so I just wondered if you have any comment on that. Is that do you think that's helpful? Do you think that's distracting? Um, and just thanks again. 
Um, okay, I'll I'll respond and then I'll let Holland respond. I would say for me, um, that loving fluff stuff is wonderful, and sometimes mm-hmm. I need that. You know, sometimes I do need that, and I do get that from my um, you know my fellow OAers. I do get love and fluff and everything else, but when I have to really focus, I have to get right to the meat and potatoes of this program. That's when I have to do a, a quick, very straightforward 10-step because anything that's going to give me um, even an opening for self-pity, that will definitely throw me right into a whole other realm of, of my problem. You know, that'll keep me stuck. So sometimes I have to be very specific the answer has to be very specific, very focused, and like I said, I, I do get love and fluff, and I do also get it from my sponsor, but not when I'm working that 10-step. I have to be really clear on that. Holland? Okay. In step four in the resentment section in the example that Bill uses, he never uses more than 19 words to describe in column two the nature of the resentment being what this person did to them or what, what was done. I am going to assume you've already rehashed this in your mind several times before you called me. I am not here to reinforce how wrong that person was and how right you were in this scenario. One thing I do know about human beings, and that is we lack fidelity. We lack that truthfulness. And the more I rehash the resentment, the worse that other person's uh, situation is or the worse uh, the more dastardly their actions were and the more I rehash that resentment the more innocent and pure I am until you give me enough time to rehash that and I was standing there doing nothing and they came along and they did me dirt we don't need that that's not going to keep us out of the food if I was just yentying with you on the phone that's fine if you're a normal person and you want to tell me about so-and-so, great. Not in the context of this. The kindest and most loving thing I can do today is to put more distance between a compulsive overeater and milk duds and raisinets and less distance between them and God. And to do that, what I'm going to do is let's get down to causes and conditions. I am not here for a Yenti call. I'm not. I'm here to be of help in the program, and that's why you're calling me. And that's the best, the kindest, most loving thing I can do today is to help a person recover. That's all I got on that one. Thank you, Ronnie, for your question. Anyone else this morning, questions regarding Step 10? Star one to unmute. I have I have a question. Yes, your name. Good morning. Uh, I am Kote, grateful recovering compulsive overeater, and thank you so much. Uh, it was very beautiful uh, to see this in practice. Um, uh, I'm in the middle of my step nine, and but I've been doing a ten step since my first day in the program. A mini ten step. That's how my sponsor called it, and. And I practice it every day and during the day, uh, very not to perfection, um, but um, but it's very helpful. Um, 
So my question is basically because let's say any, if anything happens in the day that I feel disturbed, then I I do like a a mental uh, fourth step I would call it, which is the tenth step. Um, and I usually like what is very hard for me. It was very hard for me in the beginning of my fourth step was to separate myself from my ego. And because before it was like, oh, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Why am I blaming myself for all this? You know. But um, I'm grateful that now I can relieve myself and I say, oh, this is my ego, you know. Um, and so I can approach my, my tenth step uh, with humility and with I want to grow, you know. I want to go through this. Um, however, when I do it during the day uh, and even at night, I, I don't – usually when I study whatever is uh, disturbing me, I don't go through – like I say, okay, I was dishonest. You know, but I don't go through each situation and say, uh, where was I dishonest, self-seeking, uh, resentful, fearful. Like, I usually focus in just one point. So my question is, is it necessary to go through all three levels? Because, or all the, all the levels? Um, because I, like, I see some of my character defects take longer to go away, you know? Um, and that's okay. I, I believe that this program is about practicing, uh, and that's how we achieve little things, from little to big things. Uh, but anyway, so my question was that, uh, is it necessary to do a full, deep, uh, and cover all the points um, to have a, a, a greater success, I guess, in removing the defects? Thank you so much for listening and for your service. Okay, thank you for the question. Um, for me, it is necessary. It's quick. It's quick. It's not a long process. And I don't just do it at night because I would forget half of the things that went on. But um, as you could see, like as we went through the 10th the step, I don't always see. I don't. I can't always see my part. Like plenty of times my sponsor will say, well, where are you being selfish? Now, I wouldn't think I was selfish, so I wouldn't even have put that in the equation. But, you know, It'll be brought out to me where I'm being selfish. Many times I want to say, are you kidding? You know, the old Brooklyn way, are you kidding me? Me? I'm not being selfish. I have nothing to do with this. That would be my human response. That would be my first response. So, yeah, for me it is necessary to go through all of those things because a lot of things I don't see. I don't see where I'm being dishonest. But when I'm working with somebody that's experienced, they'll show me. I need to see these things all the time, and I need to see each one of these defects. So um, it, I think it's important to go through all those things. It's a quick thing. It's not a long, drawn-out thing. It's very quick. It's, a, it's quick questions, but they're questions that are necessary. Holland, do you think that? What do you I think? agree with you 100%. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. What, what I'm looking at right now is it's 6.40 in the morning in Arizona, what I'm seeing in my life at 6.40 in the morning is not what I'm going to be looking at at noon or at, or at 9 o'clock at night, whatever it is. So I have to take care of it right then and there. Yep, I, but I agree with you, Louisa, 100%. Okay, thank, thank you. you for the question. Thank you. And we have about five minutes left. Hello? Good morning. Here. Yes, go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Sippy, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, this was amazing. I want to ask just maybe it's a little detail, but in the the third 
um, Louise's third example of her father and mother and the way Harlan worked you through that. When it comes to the amends, I love the part where you brought the gratitude in. But when it comes to the amends, and like I know with myself, when I find myself, I'm not accepting you know, God's will at that time, because I also have a father-in-law and a mother and, and going through things in life. Do we, do we make an amends with God? Because when I'm not accepting God's will at that time, um, is that part of the process too? Because personally, I feel like I'm blocking myself when I don't accept like God is everything and everything is God, the wind chime, whatever, my husband's socks on the floor, the coffee cup on the counter. Do we do we have that as part of the process? Um, for me, this is Louisa, for me, my amends, well, I'm always taught to, to be grateful. In a situation like that, I can't always see my gratitude. So my amends to God my first amends to God is to find the gratitude. And in a situation like we were talking about, you know, with everything that's going on, uh, my sponsor has helped me find gratitude in, even in the worst of the situations, you know, and Mm -hmm. my amends to my family is to do things with an open heart, not with a resentment. Because sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll do what's asked of me, but there's something there that says, this is just not fair. And that Mm -hmm. comes out. But when I work this step and then I find my gratitude, my amends to God is to find the gratitude, to find the the flower in the weeds, you know, to mm-hmm. look at my beautiful grandson and say, well, thank you, God, that I have this to balance out that, to see different things in my life. You know, thank God I have a car to take my mother to NYU to take treatment. Thank God I have a boss mm-hmm. that's giving me time off to do this. Thank God my father, you know, may only have one leg, but he still has all his faculties and he can help us in a different way. There are different things that I find mm-hmm. gratitude for, and I can't always see that right away. So in doing the 10th step, um, asked at the end, you know, my sponsor will say, well, now find, make a gratitude list. Where's your gratitude list? That's my amends to God. That's where I say I'm sorry. You know, when I say thank you for everything I have. In essence, I'm saying I'm sorry for not being grateful for all the gifts you've given me through the hardship. He'll always give us gifts through our hardship. He'll always give me tools to work through without having to pick up the food. And if I look at that, I don't need to pick up the food. If I don't look at that, as Holland says, the raisinets are right around the corner. (laughs) Does that help you? Holland, what do you say? Oh, I, I think that there's three things I can do today to make amends to God. I can recover, I can recover, and I can recover. Because that's what God would want for me, is to be free of the food and closer to him. And when it says love and tolerance of others is our code, when I am treating his children that are down here on earth in human form with love and tolerance instead of anger and rage and and, and craziness, that is an amends to God. The most wonderful amends I can make to my higher power today is to work my program and be of service to other people. At the top of page 77, it says, my real purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. And that answers every question of why I was born and why I'm here. 
that's that's all I got because it's that simple. The top of page 77, it tells me exactly what I need to know. Thank you, Sippy, for the question. And we'll take our last question now. Hi, this is Bonnie. Bonnie, uh, go ahead. Florida. Hi. Yes, just quickly, could you go through the 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 four uh, character defects again, the dishonesty, frightened, self-seeking, using, uh, being left out or excluded, and how that refers to my dishonesty, selfishness, self-seeking, and... I'm not sure I understand the question. Do you understand? The, the, re, the resentment is that I'm not included. Okay. And then where am I at fault? If that's okay. Marlon, you want to? Thank uh, you. I would need a little more context, but just on the surface, if I'm not being included in a group or I'm not being included in a scenario, maybe it wasn't that I was supposed to be. Maybe I have a script in my head that says they're supposed to include me, but that's not what God wants. So I would look at my selfishness. They're not sticking to my script. I would look at dishonesty, and the dishonesty is is that I know better who should include who and what, and that these people that are not including me, um, they have a higher power. It's not me. I have a higher power, and it's not them. But if I put these people in that position, of being my higher power, and if they include me, my life will be magically transformed and you know into into a great state. Uh, that's dishonest on my part. The fear here is the underlying issue. The fear here is is that I won't be included in other things either, and maybe I'm just not worthy, and maybe I'm a bad person. So what's the use? I might as well eat Doritos. The fear here is what we're really dealing. With. I was divorced in program. I was divorced three and a half years ago in abstinence. My wife came home and said, my then wife came home and said, I want a divorce. I've fallen in love with someone at the, through my work and I want a divorce. And I've been divorced now three and a half years. It happened. I wasn't included in that scenario. There are many, many things and no matter how evolved my recovery gets, I will never rise above the level of a human being. And as a human being, there are going to be things I'm going to be included in and things I'm not included in. And I just have to go on and hold God's hand and say, okay, what's next? I hope that answers it. Thank you, Bonnie, for the question. Thank you to all who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Louisa and Harlan, again, for all this time and energy on the line giving us some learning opportunities regarding Step 10. Before I close the meeting, can we get some contact numbers from you, Louisa and Harlan, please? Sure, sure. My number is 917-679-4431. It's a Verizon cell number, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. I may not always be able to answer the phone, but I will get back to you. Thank you, Louisa and Harlan. My telephone number is 480-495-8961. That's 480-495-8961.
1-800-273-5561. Call anytime. Again, thank you, Louisa and Harlan, for your service this morning and everyone who participated by posing questions this morning and attending. Thank you very much. And I will close the meeting as we always close our meetings from page 164, the chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.